You're listening to a news story on the audio version of The Taiyi. Thanks for listening. The Taiyi is a nonprofit newsroom that is funded by our audience. So, if you appreciate this article and you'd like to help us do more, head on over to support.thetaiyi.ca and become a Taiyi builder. You choose the amount to give, and you can cancel any time. Gains, Losses, and Lingering Anger in the SFU Teaching Assistant Strike By Zach Vessera, November 7, 2023 Azraf Ahmad started bargaining with Simon Fraser University's negotiating team at 1 p.m. At 6.20 a.m. the next day, after 17 hours of negotiations, a three-week strike by the school's teaching staff had finally come to an end. Ahmad and the Teaching Support Staff Union are touting the newly ratified deal as a victory for teaching assistants, English teachers, and sessional lecturers. The TSSU's membership voted 89% in favor of accepting that deal last week. But Ahmad acknowledges the union was forced to back down on key proposals over the course of an acrimonious strike that pitted some students and educators against each other. The union did not get a pay increase above the BC government's standing guideline for public sector workers, as they had aimed. They won a provision that will give student teachers extra compensation when they teach large classes, but only online courses, not in-person ones. They also agreed on terms for a pension for members, but may have to end up pay a larger share of the costs than they had hoped. There were some hard sacrifices we had to make, Ahmad said. Both the school and the union must now contend with the aftermath of the strike, which saw allegations of espionage, threats to picketers and public stunts to disrupt classes. Some union members worry the bad blood between the employer and their union will stain whatever good comes from the New Deal. My worry is it's one thing to say yes to a collective agreement. It's another thing whether they've changed their attitude, Professor Amin Saju said of the university. Saju, who teaches about international human rights, is one of many SFU sessional lecturers who work short-term contracts without any permanent job or many basic benefits. The TSSU's newest agreement has won workers like him a pension. And the school backed away from its plan to revoke a provision that offers contracted educators like Saju a path to a permanent job. But Saju says the new contract also doesn't make that path any smoother. Sessional lecturers like him still don't have a guarantee of getting a permanent position, even if they teach a full course load for years on end. The huge disappointment is we did not strengthen the provisions, he said. Beyond pensions and job security, the TSSU went into negotiations hoping to secure significant pay increases that were above the maximum amount public institutions in BC can pay under the government's labor mandate. On that front, Ahmad says the union did not succeed. That would require some kind of political miracle at this point, I guess, Ahmad said. The union's three-year deal with the school includes a 25-cent-an-hour flat pay increase in the first year, plus a 3.24% general wage increase across all positions. That's followed by a 6.75% increase in the second year and a 0.87% increase in the last year which could increase to 1.87% depending on the rate of inflation next year. That pay schedule is actually slightly less than what public servants at other unions got in deals last year. 
That's because the TSSU accepted a slight cut in their final year to help finance the employer's half of the pension plan. SFU and other public institutions in BC bargain under a bargaining mandate setting out maximum pay increases. TSSU members thus had to agree to that pay cut to finance the pension, which SFU said it was not possible for it to pay under the mandate. But Ahmad said teaching assistants and other members did win other provisions, including things SFU originally said it could not afford. The school declined to comment on the substance of negotiations. Ahmad said that includes a provision that will ensure teaching assistants won't lose scholarship funding when they receive more paid hours. He said the strike also pressured the school to abandon some concessions it was seeking from the union, particularly when the union hinted it might picket a fall convocation ceremony. The school pulled those demands from the table, Ahmad said, in exchange for the TSSU letting the ceremony proceed. He said he was frustrated those breakthroughs didn't happen in one of the more than 40 negotiating sessions the union had with SFU since their agreement expired early last year. They were for sure not upfront with the details on how they costed various items, he said. If all of these things were possible within the mandate all of this time, it would have been great to know so months ago so we could have bargained on these effectively, Ahmad said. That push-and-pull approach is characteristic of the relationship between the TSSU and SFU, and the grim battle fought between them. The strike, which included rotating picket lines on SFU's three main campuses, paralyzed many operations at the university. But some classes still continued, leading to showdowns between professors, students and picketers. SFU said it received more than 100 formal strike incident complaints from students, teachers and contractors. Ahmad said some of those came from picketers themselves. He said TSSU members were shoved and harassed on the picket line. On some occasions, Ahmad said people sped their cars towards protesters. Later in the strike, TSSU members documented people who appeared to be watching and filming them. SFU later acknowledged it had hired private security firm Lionsgate Risk Management to monitor its students and faculty on the picket line. Such tactics are not unheard of. Last year, Marine Company C-SPAN hired the same company to monitor picket lines when a group of striking tugboat captains paralyzed a North Vancouver shipyard. The school later ended its contract with the company. As the strike dragged on, the TSSU tried more stunts. A viral video from mid-October showed some union members crash an SFU lecture, beating on orange plastic buckets and yelling into megaphones while calling the instructor a scab. While the school's faculty association was supportive of TSSU's strike, there was no rules forcing professors to respect the picket line. Ahmad acknowledged the incident had occurred. We could have done it in a slightly different way, he said, without specifying what that was. He chalked it up to the stress members felt after three weeks on the picket lines. Many TSSU members, he said, were already struggling financially and some could not meet bills after weeks of striking. It was a natural consequence of being on picket lines for so long, Ahmad said. Nor are the labor movement scraps with SFU over. The TSSU is taking a second try at unionizing research assistants on campus. 
SFU had previously voluntarily agreed to let those 1,600-odd workers join the union, but later fought the union in arbitration. Saju himself will face SFU arbitration soon. He is arguing the school violated their agreement after moving him from a rotating lecturer job to a sessional instructor position, a move that included a $30,000 pay cut. And the school has yet to reach a new contract with its tenured and tenure-track professors. The school's faculty association is moving its own arbitration case against SFU, arguing the school has unfairly shuffled professors like Saju between contracts so they don't become eligible for longer-term jobs. Saju himself worries he'll be back on a picket line in a few years' time. We may have to do this whole thing again, he said. Thanks for stopping by the Taiyi today. Anytime you're in the mood to listen to important stories written well, we'll be here. And if you'd like to keep independent media going strong, head over to the Taiyi.ca and click on the Support Us button to pitch in. Finally, big, big thank you to all of our Taiyi builders who made this story possible.